0: I'm Emma C. Ossian. There are many cases where infertility is unexplained. There's no apparent reason why a couple can't fall pregnant. Other times there are medical causes. Sometimes they're easily discovered through basic initial tests and other times it takes a bit more searching to find out what the issue is. In my case, I knew why I had trouble falling pregnant. It was basically a transport issue. My right fallopian tube had been removed after I suffered an ectopic pregnancy and my remaining fallopian tube was not in good working order. What I didn't know, however, was why I had trouble staying pregnant. I felt strongly that there was some reason why my pregnancies were failing later in the first trimester. It seemed something was going wrong as the pregnancy started to progress. I thought if we could pinpoint the problem then maybe there would be a solution. The health system regards three consecutive miscarriages as a cause for further testing, as there's then considered to be a risk that a woman will miscarry again. I didn't quite fit that definition, though, as our first loss was recorded as an ectopic pregnancy. Therefore, the message that I got from more than one doctor was basically, keep trying, good luck, better luck next time. That didn't sit very well with us. It was hard enough for me to fall pregnant and I certainly didn't want to lose another baby if there was anything at all we could do, any possible treatment to prevent it. It became very clear to me at that point that when it comes to your own health care, you need to be proactive. In the end, we had strong support from our IVF nurse I was referred to one of the company's fertility specialists who focuses on the causes of recurrent miscarriage. I was sent off for a huge range of tests. Nearly 20 vials of blood were sent away to be screened. A few weeks later, the results were in and I was told they did show some abnormalities. It felt like good news and bad. On the one hand, there was clearly something else wrong with me But on the other hand, maybe there would be a solution and a way forward. My specialist explained that I had elevated antiphospholipid antibodies, which indicated an autoimmune issue and that I could also possibly have antiphospholipid syndrome, something I had never heard of. She felt that the presence of such antibodies at all could be causing my pregnancy losses. Basically, the antibodies can cause blood clots and increase women's chances of recurrent miscarriage or stillbirth. The good news for us at that point was that there are medicines which can help prevent blood clots from forming. I was put on a plan which would involve me giving myself a daily injection in the stomach of the drug Clexane from the day of our next IVF embryo transfer, or if we were lucky enough to conceive naturally, from as soon as I found out that I was pregnant. It didn't sound all that pleasant, And it also meant any future pregnancy would be termed high risk, would be unlikely to go to full term and would involve a lot of extra monitoring. Nevertheless, it was empowering to know there was now something we could do. It felt like we were armed with something which would hopefully enable me to carry a baby to at least close to full term and give birth finally to our own healthy little bundle. My parents meanwhile had blood tests to see if they had raised antiphospholipid antibodies as there can be a genetic link. It turns out my dad does, enough to suggest that perhaps it came from that side of the family. It made me think of my dad's mother, my nana, who died when I was only young. She was a much older mother who had my dad later in life after suffering seven miscarriages something which must have been so awful for her to go through. I wondered if she too had the raised antibodies, which caused the loss of her babies, until finally one of them, my dad, managed to hang on to full term and be born alive and healthy. It isn't something which would have been investigated back then. And my heart went out to my sweet nana. I like to think she still sometimes watches over me today. And I thought how happy she would be if she could see her own great-grandchild come into the world. I was certainly ready to give it another try.
1: Worth it, worth it the end. So can...
0: I'm Emma C. Ossian, and today we're looking at how sometimes it takes intensive medical investigations to discover why a couple can't have a baby, to pinpoint the cause of infertility. In some cases, including my own, it can result in the discovery of a treatment, a possible way forward. In other cases, there isn't a problem which can be diagnosed or there isn't a successful treatment. In those cases, there are other options, including the use of donor sperm or donor eggs. After trying for many years to fall pregnant, both with and without using fertility treatments, Sarah Chapman decided to continue with IVF, but using her sister's eggs. Sarah says the decision for her sister to become an egg donor wasn't something anyone in the family took lightly, and for Sarah it came after much soul-searching. But she says in the end it proved a very positive experience for everyone
1: my sister who's a little bit younger than me i've got two sisters both younger and one of them had completed her family and she had offered offhandedly but seriously probably when we were our first year of ivf that she would be happy to donate her eggs and i at that point just said emma i don't need your eggs you know what are you talking about we will do this you know, and i was i wasn't offended but i was i didn't know where she was going with it but it sat in the back of my mind and i just let it sit there and simmer and then eventually we started to come round to the idea that maybe that was a possibility. In the end, it was a fairly easy decision. We had a last go at IVF, knowing it was our last go, and we'd changed clinics, we'd changed fertility specialists, we'd gone interstate, I did acupuncture, I travelled hours and hours to see a counsellor, but I decided I wanted to give it one last go, but my egg quality was such that it, it really was pretty obvious that it was... Uh, severely affected by now my increasing age and also years of probably endometriosis. So we had the conversation open with my sister and it was kind of like there was this budding and opening opportunity at the same time closing down the option of me being able to use my own eggs. And yeah, that, it probably it just they just sort of glided one into the other when that cycle didn't work and I just sort of went, OK, all right, let's move on and try something else.
0: Sarah says for her sister, Emma, the choice to donate her eggs was a very simple one.
1: Oh, she's an extremely generous person. For her, it was just made sense. She really wanted to see me with um, a family. She knew that Michael and I uh, really wanted to have a family. She'd had her three children and thought that's an experience she really wanted to have her sister to experience and she just made it easy she just said whatever whatever you need I'll come to you she lived in North Queensland she lived on a tropical island it was not easy for her to get to Melbourne to be able to do a a cycle she had three children one was quite young and she just made it easy she just said yep just tell me what you need me to do and I'll do it. And we did uh, counselling over the phone. We did counselling with her husband. We did joint counselling together just before the cycle. And we wrote a memorandum of understanding, which was a really beautiful process where we just outlaid what we wanted from it. And we went ahead and did an egg donor cycle in Melbourne. I never felt obligated to her or anything like that. She was my sister. She was just doing what sisters do and I knew I would have done the same for her. It became a shared journey and until that point my family had not understood what we'd been going through. We lived interstate, we kept it pretty much to ourselves. Uh, They were all going on and having children and when Emma became involved everybody became involved in the family and I just felt the hugest weight off my shoulders. I just knew I didn't have to do the heavy lifting anymore. Whatever was going to happen? Was going to happen? I could do my best. I could go into ac- acupuncture. I could relax. I could do meditations. It was going to come down to nature. And if if I conceived using an embryo um, that Emma had donated an egg to, then that was just going to be what it was going to be.
0: In the end, Sarah fell pregnant from an IVF cycle using her sister's eggs, and gave birth to her daughter Freya. Freya is only four. But Sarah says she already knows exactly how she was conceived, and the family have approached the unique connections and relationships between each other with complete love and honesty.
1: She knows her story. She will tell it to anyone. I have to explain it to new carers or people just so that they could get a bit of an overview because she kind of sometimes might skip a few steps and they might be a bit confused. We developed a little life book for her, a little photo album which includes Emma in the process and has us all in our scrubs when Emma's going for egg pickup. It has photos of her as a four day, uh, sorry, a two day four cell embryo, it has photos of her at her different scans along the way. There's a photo of her when she was born. There's a photo of Emma, because my sister was there when she was born. There's a photo of Emma there at her birth. She knows that Auntie M loves her. She knows that her other aunties love her. It's, it's just an acceptance, and that's the way we want it to be um, throughout all her life. And I want her to have a special relationship with her her auntie, and she does. I can't imagine it any other way. Love is-
0: Join me next time when we look at how couples battling infertility and going through IVF keep moving forward at the various mainstream and alternative treatments, support structures and experiences they turn to to help stay afloat and stay positive.